Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear from WellTrack One CEO and founder, Peter Bechtel. He is going to share how their company is deploying pharmacists to help support wellness for Medicare patients across the country uh, in concert with physician practices. Okay, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Peter Bechtel, president and CEO of WellTrack One Corporation, is a, a, an industry-leading company dedicated to providing quality wellness program solutions to healthcare providers and organizations throughout the country. Peter is a graduate of the Air Force Academy. After spending time in the Air Force, Peter has been an entrepreneur in the healthcare IT and clinical research fields since 1984 with his first company focused on healthcare IT, revenue cycle management, and billing. His latest venture, WellTrack One, was formed in 2011 at the launch of the Affordable Care Act that provided the annual wellness visit opportunity for the nation's Medicare patients. Peter, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Hi, Hillary. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate the uh, kind words. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'd love to hear a little bit more about WellTrack One and maybe what was the need that you were trying to fill in the market when you created the company a couple years back. Well, I'd be happy to describe that. Uh, back in 2010, actually, uh, CMS launched the Affordable Care Act, and I guess I was bored one night, and I actually read it. Um, there were 800 pages plus, and I found a section in there that had to do with something called the annual wellness visit, and it was mm-hmm. uh, one of the first uh, prescriptive wellness uh, solutions that Medicare had come out with that I think was an excellent idea because they were effectively paying doctors to screen their patients uh, each year. And I recognized that most physicians wouldn't have the time or capability to do these annual wellness visits, given the constraints that they have in their practices. So I created a company around that, that would actually provide that solution for physicians and help them get that done, get those wellness visits done in a very efficient and timely manner and deliver the results right into their EHR. Hmm. Interesting. And before that, had you spent a lot of time in, in the physician practice setting or just kind of knowing that, you know, these doctors are, you know, they've got 15 minutes with each patient and they're just trying to, um, get through those visits and there's not a lot of, um, extra time in their day to do these additional things. Absolutely. I've been involved with medical practices since the mid eighties, and I've seen the evolution of the family doctor and the primary care doctor over the years. And it became very obvious to me that they were facing more and more constraints in their world uh, because of pressure due to more patients being thrown at them, less time being available to meet with the patient and discuss their problems, electronic health technology that caused them to be distracted, uh, 
and spend less time with their patients. So the net net of what I saw was that doctors are under the gun to perform more with less time. And of course, that's not fair, but unfortunately, that's the healthcare system we are uh, living with these days. So my objective was to help these doctors as much as possible by removing that time barrier, that time constraint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's really helpful. And Peter, first for the audience, can you give a little bit of background on what exactly an annual wellness visit is and, and who qualifies for one? Yes. The Medicare patient, when they first come into the Medicare system, is eligible for what's called the welcome to Medicare visit, which is essentially an annual wellness visit with an EKG added to it. Thereafter, the Medicare patient is eligible for an annual wellness visit, which is a review of the data from the previous year, plus any new information that they wish to uh, tell the doctor or the nurse about uh, for the rest of their life. And it's a free visit. It's intended to create a couple of things that are very critical for the patient. One is a stratified list of risk factors. What I mean by that is that you look at your risk of diabetes and you, you rate it low, moderate, high, or severe. You look at your risk of cardiovascular disease and you rate it low, moderate, high, or severe. So what I did in our company was I used uh, research methodologies to create evidence-based systems called clinical triggers, which uh, projected these risk factors for each patient and then kept a record of them over time so we could trend them out and see whether the patient was increasing their risk or decreasing their risk over time. Hmm. These same clinical triggers also recommend focused preventive services specific to that patient. So the doctor can go right to that list of preventive services and start following that that prescriptive menu of things that need to be done for that patient. And then finally, the um, last thing the clinical triggers do is provide something called risk adjustment codes for the doctor. You know, that's a technical thing and I won't get into the details of it, but it becomes very important to doctors who are involved in risk-based contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Peter, um, how, do, how does it usually work when WellTrack One comes alongside a physician practice um, or do you um, offer to kind of take on all of their annual wellness visits? Is it a technology um, thing that kind of bolts in? Do you are you using nurses, pharmacists, other other professionals? Tell us a little bit more about kind of the behind the scenes. Well, the way we started was to provide medical assistance inside the practice to actually conduct the wellness visits with the patients. We then turn to a technology solution, which uses iPad tablets, and we give those to the patients as they come into the waiting room and ask them to spend about 10 minutes filling out the questions on the iPad tablet. And that both of those methods were designed to complete the annual wellness visit as easily as possible without taking resources from the doctor or the doctor's staff. The third so you're method embedding- that we- you're embedded into each physician practice. That's correct. That's exactly Got right. It. We are. Okay. We are. We become part of their their uh, their socio structure and become part of their staff essentially. Got it. Um, and this in the last year and a half, we've pivoted 
to provide pharmacists, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in detail as we get down through this discussion. Um, but the pharmacists serve a key role in working with the patients, not just for the initial assessment, but for the long haul over the course of the year uh, with multiple touch points. And I'll describe that in a little bit more time. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Very helpful. And, and are you, you know, you're based in the Hilton Head, South Carolina area, but are where, what does your footprint look like across the country right now? So we are based in Hilton Head, South Carolina. We have offices in um, San Antonio and New York City and out in Long Island and also uh, in uh, Richmond, Virginia. We are in 28 states right now, and, that crew, and that's basically from east to west, up and down the coasts. Um, and we're getting more and more into states like Nebraska, Montana, um, where we are now engaging with pharmacists to help us with these solutions that we're providing for physicians. And of course, with the COVID outbreak, we have pivoted to a 100% telehealth solution. And that has been a game changer for us because now it's bringing us into remote parts of the country that we were not in before. As I mentioned before, we were never in Nebraska until now. Uh, so now we are in Nebraska. Um, but that's good because we're able to help the folks that are out there in, in those situations that need the most care. Mm-hmm. Rural areas. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I definitely want to talk more about the, the technology, uh, and, and coronavirus stuff, but, but let's, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, pharmacists. Um, what made you decide to bring that group onto your team and what kind of services are they providing for these Medicare patients? Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, I met a gentleman up in New York called Ken Sternfeld. Yeah, and okay. Ken runs a company called RX VIP Concierge, mm-hmm. and uh, his his uh, dream has always been to deploy pharmacists to medical practices to help them with chronic care management and other services that could again reduce the time constraint of physicians, but also get the job done to Mm -hmm. help patients with these assessments and also ongoing support uh, and management for the patients. And what Ken had was an incredible connection and network of pharmacists and students and pharmacy students. And I'll talk about the students in a bit. But it was the one piece of the puzzle that I didn't have. I had the technology. I had the infrastructure. I had the support structure, everything ready to go, but I didn't have the network of pharmacists. So Ken and I joined forces and Mm -hmm. we created a company called PharmD Concierge, which basically is a solution for uh, any medical practice, primarily primary care, where we employ a pharmacist and pharmacy students to assist with getting these wellness visits done, which we call baseline encounters because Mm -hmm. it establishes baseline data and then continues along the course, the continuum of the year with touch points with that patient. And we call those clinical tracks. 
So a patient might have a diabetes clinical tract. They might have a cardiovascular disease clinical tract. They might have a hypertension clinical tract, or they might have a combination of diabetes and hypertension as a clinical tract. And what we do is we very highly structurally and uh, in a very regimented sense, put down these touch points over each week, each month, and over the entire year, again, between the patient and the pharmacist and the patient and the doctor. So we structure out the patient's pathway for an entire year based upon their disease states or their comorbidities or their risk factors. And then we use our technology for things like remote patient monitoring uh, that help us watch the glucose values or watch the um, autonomic nervous system uh, signals from the patient's heart and other signals that we get from our technology that we can monitor by the pharmacist. So they can then advise the physician if there's any threat or if there's any change that's notable uh, for which the patient, excuse me, for which the physician must then take um, uh, appropriate preemptive action. Yeah, really interesting. Um, so how are how are the pharmacists assigned to the the physician practice, and how does some of that um, billing happen? So it really winds up in uh, one of two ways. We either have pharmacists that want to join our forces and we engage them uh, under contract. Mm -hmm. And then we find physician offices in their neck of the woods within a 20 mile radius of where they live, because we know they can go visit those physicians. And in many cases, they have relationships with those physicians from previous work behind the, behind the counter at the drugstore. Mm -hmm. um, the other way is where we have doctors approach us and say, I love your system. I really need the help getting this work done. I can't do it myself. Let's sign up. So we sign the doctor up. And at that point, Ken and a gentleman named Todd Yuri from the Pharmacy Podcast Network um, go out and find pharmacists that are in that doctor's neck of the woods. So we can do it one of two ways. We can start with the pharmacist or start with the physician and then match the two together. And of course, we also engage pharmacy students as interns so that we can use them to help, like as, as a simple example, uh, they'll engage with the patient and get our telehealth platform installed, which takes that time constraint off the senior pharmacist, which we don't want the senior pharmacist doing those kinds of tasks. We'd rather have a very smart 28-year-old student doing it because they're so good with technology in the first place. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So that's our general approach to how we get this started. On the billing side, since you asked that question, um, again, the, the reduction of, of time from the practice is critical. So we don't want to burden their billing staff with more codes that they may not understand because some of these new telehealth codes are somewhat ominous. You have to use special modifiers and other mm -hmm. units, unit designations, et cetera. 
So we have our own billing company that does the billing. We bill under the doctor's NPI for Medicare compliance purposes, which means that all the billing uh, goes to the doctor. And then <clears throat> we just have a prescribed set of uh, service rates for what we do. And after the doctor gets paid, he or she uh, cuts us a, a reimbursement uh, check uh, on a regular frequency to pay for our services so that we can pay our pharmacists. Okay. That makes perfect sense. And are a lot of these, um, I guess, touch points with the patient through the phone? Uh, has it, How's the engagement been uh, with that method uh, with seniors and, and even getting them to embrace some of the technology from the at-home uh, different ways of doing, doing that, checking their blood sugar, checking their blood pressure, et cetera? So the uh, the telehealth portion uh, has been slow and going, and I'll I'll be the first to admit that the older population did not gravitate to that as quickly as we had hoped. But the COVID nineteen disaster has caused people to be to take this more seriously and to actually focus on it and realize that it is something they need to do because if they're going to see their doctor, that's how they're mm -hmm. going to see their doctor. So mm -hmm. it has emerged as a new standard that patients are getting more and more capable with telehealth. And I still think there's probably 5% that will never touch the telehealth solution, never have any interest in it. But the other 95% are starting to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, now, the other technology we use um, are simple things like, for instance, with our cardiovascular slash hypertension remote patient monitoring system, uh, it's a customized pulse oximeter. And a pulse oximeter is a very simple device you slip on your finger. Typically, it measures your uh, oxygen level and your blood supply and your pulse. And that's why they call it a pulse oximeter. But these devices have been specially modified in the firmware to measure hundreds of other signals from the heart. And we can get things like stiffness index and respiratory rate refractory uh, ratios along with the pulse and along with the oxygen levels. So we can actually start to see whether a person is moving more towards a trend of heart failure than the other person who is perfectly normal and doesn't show any signs of it. And the purpose of this is to really have an early warning system in place that we can use to notify the doctor that there's something that needs to be investigated more deeply so we can then bring the patient in face-to-face -face with the doctor and have the doctor go complete workup, EKG, echo, or whatever the doctor prescribes, and prevent that heart attack um, and prevent the patient from having a cataclysmic episode. So that's part of what we are trying to do with our remote patient monitoring is to have watch guard uh, systems in place run by the pharmacist. And mm -hmm. the pharmacist, mm -hmm. as it turns out, and you know this, Hillary, because you are a pharmacist, um, very, very talented individuals, very smart. And of course, they're trained in a lot of these techniques, even though they know medications like nobody else knows. Uh, they also know other clinical services and clinical techniques, uh, which makes them perfect for this kind of monitoring capability. Hmm, very interesting. Uh, and I assume that that some kind of medication review is also included. Are you guys also doing any type of medication therapy management or 
chronic uh, disease management as well are kind of mostly focused on annual wellness visit? Well, it sounds like you are are managing some of the the chronic diseases. I just was a little curious around the the specific medication part. Well, the baseline encounter includes a comprehensive medication reconciliation and review. And that, of course, plays to the strength of what the pharmacist is all about. That's their skill set. They do it better than anybody else in the world. And we want them to use that um, experience and knowledge to give the patient the best of the drug-drug interaction warnings, but also look for things like... uh, drug compliance, drug metabolization. And yes, we do. Uh, If indicated, we'll deploy a a pharmacogenomics test uh, with Mm -hmm. the patient, which is, as you know, a very simple cheek swab, buccal swab. Uh, But that tells the pharmacist volumes of information when they get back the dashboard that shows how this affects this patient in a very specific genetic layer. Um, And the other thing that's really near and dear to a lot of patients is cost. Because what pharmacists know is where the lower cost drugs could be. And they can advise patients on these other sources of medications that could save them hundreds of dollars uh, a month. And when you're talking about a population of people that uh, may not be, you know, they might be retirees on a fixed pension. Well, a couple hundred dollars could mean a food supply for them each month. So part of our objective is to give them access to these pharmacists. So they can find the lower cost, the lowest cost uh, medications uh, possible uh, with, again, coordinating with the doctor at all times. Yeah. Well, I I love this model. I mean, you've really, um, you know, kind of taken that physician pharmacist relationship that's often um, very, you know, maybe the, the maybe the the pharmacist is calling the physician uh, to get a refill, or but a lot of times they don't have that um, kind of uh, p- partner uh, or like team kind of approach. So it's it's great that you've been able to to create and foster that and show the value of um, adding pharmacists uh, to that physician practice setting and um, hopefully the patients are really enjoying that uh, interaction as well. You know, it's um, interesting, Hillary, um, and pardon me for interrupting you, but it's interesting that the perception that we see from physicians is that they have always respected and appreciated pharmacists for what they do and what they know. And mm-hmm. when we tell them that we have a program that partners pharmacists with them as collaborators, they yeah. actually get visibly excited and they say, this is fantastic because I love working with pharmacists. That's so awesome. we're bringing the best of the best out. And uh, I will tell you too, that we have uh, some great uh, experiences with our patients. In fact, I had a situation where I was monitoring one of our early installations and I saw a woman that I called Miss Cranky. Uh, Miss Cranky walked into the practice and she was definitely cranky. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. She didn't know why she was there, but she just obligatorily followed the doctor's advice and came in to meet with the pharmacist. And I mm-hmm. waited in the waiting room patiently to see what would happen. And she came out, she was all bubbly and smiley and mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. how great it was that she had a chance to sit for 30 minutes and talk to the pharmacist about her medications. So that changed her whole framework and her whole perception by having this opportunity to spend time with a uh, senior pharmacists like that. 
Yeah, I love hearing stories like that. That's great. So, Peter, looking to the future, you know, we've um, we've been doing a lot of of healthcare redesign, and, and you've obviously been at the forefront of a lot of these uh, as you've been uh, an entrepreneur in, in the healthcare. Uh, arena. Where do you see kind of the future? You know, coronavirus is is forcing us to lean more and more on tech. Uh, we are wanting more convenience. We've been seeing that from consumers for a long time. Um, and, you know, we, we want people to to be able to practice at the top of their license. Uh, and, and you guys have been able to uh, create that for pharmacists. Um, what do you kind of see going forward um, post-COVID-19 um, with, you know, the healthcare landscape? What are some things that you're kind of predicting for the future? First of all, I think that <clears throat> with Medicare's waivers for this COVID-19 uh, mess, uh, I think those waivers will stay in place, or some of those waivers will stay in place permanently. And I'm specifically talking about lifting the telehealth requirement that the patient be in a rural setting uh, because mm-hmm. we're finding out that more and more urban patients need this kind of uh, encounter with their doctor on demand and it will cut down on the frequency of visits to the emergency room which will cut the federal spend budget down dramatically so i think this is going to be a good thing i hate to say that a virus is a good thing but i think the results of this will show definitively that we can make a difference with telehealth with technology and we're never going to go back to the old ways of dragging that poor patient in to see the doctor every time they need to talk about something. That telehealth will be a solution and it will be an affordable solution for CMS and the federal government will save literally billions of dollars by doing it this way. And I think the second thing that I hope we can achieve is to give a face to the value of the pharmacist as a collaborator. They are great partners with doctors, period. They know their stuff and medications, period, better than anybody else. And if we're talking about a $400 billion medication adherence problem, which we have in this country today, why don't we attack it? Why do we sit there and say, well, gee, oh, gee, we don't know what to do. Let's attack the problem and get the best of the best to deal with this issue. And that those are pharmacists. And that's what we intend to do under the PharmD Concierge Program is get these pharmacists on the front line uh, wearing the flak jackets and making sure that they can attack the problem just like everybody else needs them to do. Uh, again, partnering with doctors. And I think that's the best combination you could possibly have in healthcare as far as a cost reduction process. Yeah. Very true. And you've created that pathway. So Peter, um, as our final question, I like to ask all of my guests, um, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others who are just out there who are just getting started in their careers? You know, it's always um, that you look backwards and you think, what should I have done differently? Uh, I'm a risk taker by by definition, by nature, I've always been a risk taker. So I would tell younger people, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to get out of your box. Don't be afraid to cross the yellow line. If you see something that can be improved, figure out how to improve it and show somebody or whomever, your mentor or 
a, a series of uh, customers that you have made a difference and then get your inspiration from watching the customers react to your process. And you'll learn very quickly that you have a lot more power than you think you do. Um, and you, you have a lot of power when you get out from behind the chair and the desk and get out there and deal with people face to face, ask them questions, watch them react and observe. And that's probably the biggest thing that I could have improved in my life is more observation time with my customers. And that's something I, I love to do. I love to get out there right now and uh, meet with them and talk to them and see what they seem to think about the new products that we're trying to show in our showcase. That that's so that's such a great point. It, you know, you've got to be able to know and understand and serve your your customer and observe that. And of of course, you have to be a risk taker if you um, spent time in the Air Force, flying planes, serving our country. And uh, we're glad that you brought all of those skills into healthcare and have been forming innovative companies. Um, ever since. Well, Peter, it has been a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. And I've really enjoyed being on your show. And I really uh, thank you for the time today to tell the audience about what we're up to. Thank you. And how how can people find you uh, if pharmacists are interested in learning more about WellTrack One and uh, signing up to help partner with physicians? I would say go to our website, um, rxvipconcierge.com. That's rxvipconcierge.com. And uh, there'll be a contact link on that page that they can go to. Um, And we're more than happy to talk to any and every pharmacist. And also we want to talk to the students too. The students are the wave of the future. We definitely have a role for them in in our process. And we can help them with their school requirements and their mentoring requirements and everything else. So we'd love to talk to any and every pharmacist, pharmacist and pharmacist student. Awesome. Thank you so much, Peter. Great to have you as a guest on the show. Thanks so much, Hillary. Take care. Hey listeners. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and learning a little bit more about ways that pharmacists and pharmacy students can get involved in physician practice settings and particularly within telehealth. I think that is going to be a big area post-COVID-19, so definitely stay tuned for opportunities within telehealth. Please be sure to check out our Facebook page at Talk to Your Pharmacist and Instagram page at Talk to Your Pharmacist. We've also created a Facebook group called Pharmacist Heroes. We want to hear about all of the amazing things that pharmacists are doing right now, especially during COVID-19 and to share your voice uh, during this time. So post about what you're doing, post about some of those hero stories. There's going to be a Heroes Act that is being proposed and we want pharmacists to be recognized uh, in all settings um, for their role as a medical professional. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. 
And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 